Hey, what's up, everybody? Today's episode is, I, I say they're all exciting, but I'm happy about this one, it is with Vince Gething, Duke Ong, and Matt Callahan of the Tri-City Equity Group. Now, I have known Vince and Duke for years. In fact, they were some of the first people I met on Oahu. Vince and I used to hang out all the time. We met at meetups. We'd go to the beach. We'd go hang out here. We'd get some drinks there. We'd talk real estate, real estate, real estate. And I remember telling him like, man, you've got some solid systems. You're going to be really, really good at this real estate thing. And now he's got 72 units just with his JV, not including the rest of the units he owns on his own. And so today's episode is really cool because for one, I have a relationship with all these guys. But for two, we get to talk through partnering, why you should partner, why you when you shouldn't partner, and how to scale using a partnership and really more importantly, how to pick the right people to be in your team. So if you've thought about partnering or you don't have money to invest in real estate or you don't have time or you don't have knowledge or whatever, whatever your excuse is, this episode will probably show you how partnership can help mitigate some of those excuses. So buckle your seats. The show notes are found at from com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey, what's up, guys? Today's episode is brought to you by Fiverr. And Fiverr, for those of you who are not familiar, is a website full of freelancers and virtual assistants who can help you with your business. For example, the intro for my podcast was recorded and edited and the music provided by a freelancer on Fiverr for less than $40. The logo on my website, freelancer, less than $40. I have done a lot of fancy infographics for under $5 a piece. I've had, I found a editor for my YouTube channel. Fiverr has basically any task you could ever want to outsource can be found at fiverr.com. That is fiverr.com. And if you go in the show notes, there is a link that will take you out there and take a look around, guys. It is a very, very good way to save yourself some time, which is huge. And they may be better at the task than you are. So you never know. Definitely check out Fiverr.com. They have saved me so much hassle, so much time, and helped me produce better content for you, my listeners. Now, without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave with from Military Millionaire. And I am here with Vince, Duke, Matt, and myself uh, with the Tri-City Equity Group. Uh, these are all except for Matt, guys that I know from Hawaii. Um and I, all except for Duke, military guys. So we got like a lot of random groups going on here and there. We got Air Force, Army, myself, and then Duke's a agent out in Hawaii that I actually did some work with. Um, I almost bought a house with him once. We went and looked at a couple and just never worked out for me. Uh, so anyway, so that's a little bit about how I'm connected to all these guys. But they formed a partnership and they've been crushing it in the multifamily game. So I thought it'd be fun to bring them on and we can talk a little bit multifamily and a little bit partnerships. So uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Um, let's just go around the clock as I see it. So Vince, I'll let you lead it out. All right. Hey, um, yeah, I'm active duty Air Force. I've uh, been in about 13 years. Um, have 20 units on my own. Uh, I started investing in like 2017, 2016 timeframe, got up to about 20 units. Um, and we'll get into a little bit later where I kind of hit a plateau and then um, decided to join a, or start a partnership. And now we're at um, 72 units with the partnership um, and a little under two years, three years, something like that. Um, yeah, out here in Hawaii. 
Right on. Duke? Yeah, so as an investor, I'm a partner in uh, 684 units in six states. Um, on a limited partner side, I'm in a 114-unit deal in Atlanta, a 310-unit in El Paso, and a 192-unit in uh, Longview. And then on the active side, I own a single-family rental in Anaheim, um, 15 units with one partnership in Pittsburgh, and then a 52 with uh, Tri-City Equity Group in Saginaw. Um, I'm also uh, an investor in pre-construction on Oahu, um, so I'm under contract on Ali, which is supposed to be built 2021. And um, as far as an agent, I uh, have uh, over 60 million in career sales and I specialize in working with investors. Yeah, no big deal. Is the, are those LPs, <laughs> is that with Lane? Uh, two of them and then one is with Kenny Wolf. Nice, yeah, Lane's good people. He's one of the few that I think I'd like jump at a deal with. Matt. Hey, Matt Callahan, um, also currently in Oahu, in the Army for about 12 years now, a little break in service when I switched from enlisted to officer. Um, I started in kind of a live-in, flip, short sale, uh, really focused towards like single family, looking to get into that until I met Vince and we started this partnership and he's kind of convinced me otherwise and, you know, it's multifamily from here on out. Right on. Well, that was short and sweet. I like it. That's cool. Um, Man, that's a lot of sales, dude. Good on you. All right. So I guess um, I try to think where we should start this off. I guess the first thing we should probably talk about is y'all's, uh, like when you decided that you wanted to form a JV and what caused that. And then we can kind of talk through your first deal and go on from there. Yeah. Um, so I guess I was kind of like the the catalyst for joining or uh, starting the JV. Um, I know uh, we, we have another partner, Steve. Uh, he wasn't able to make it today. Um but all through networking, going to going to meetups at around Oahu. Uh, Duke is actually my realtor. That's how I met him for my house I bought on here on island. Um, but uh, what I said in my intro, right? So I had about 20 units. I did the small multifamily um, deals, the the duplexes, the fourplexes, the just a small multifamily for financial freedom. And then after a while, you kind of hit a plateau. Um, you realize that one, you run out of money. Uh, two, you run out of bandwidth uh and three once you get a little bit more educated your comfort zone expands so fast that uh you start looking into commercial uh big deals 20 unit 50 unit apartment buildings 100 unit apartment buildings and realize it's not that much harder to do one of those than it is to do a a four unit um or a duplex Uh, so that was a little bit of education a little bit of coaching on my part and realized that i'm not gonna i'm done with the small multifamily the residential uh, multifamily and I'm going to do a bigger deal. Uh, and that, at that point was when I was like, okay, I need to loosen up that control, loosen up the reins and, and partner with other people. Um, we can grow just through economies of scale, not with just the property, but with resources, personal resources and, and skills that each of us have. Um, so look, look at people, uh, find people from networking and through your groups that have the similar goals, the timelines, you know, values, ethics, stuff like that, work ethic that you have and, and bring them together. Um, that's how I found Matt and Duke and Steve, um, got everybody together in this group, um, and started tackling with, the uh, looking at bigger units. So I guess that's the short of how we, how we started the, the group there. Yeah. I mentioned in my bio, uh, or my intro up until the point that I had met Vince, you know, I was super hardcore 
single family. I'm going to do some flips. I'm going to get the requisite skills. Uh, all the education I had paid for was geared towards wholesaling, fixing flips. Um, and then I met Vince at one of our meetups and just kind of talking to him, you know, he was explaining, you know, if we have 50 tenants and one moves out, it's okay. But if we have one single family property and the tenant moves out for three months, we can't get it rented. And then we're only making 300 bucks a month. You know, there's a year's of cash flow out the door. Um, replace one roof for 50 people. It just, it really became a no brainer for me at that point that that multifamily was the way to go. And yeah, you know, haven't looked back. Did you anything to add? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I was uh, already JV partner in uh, the Pittsburgh deals. Um, so it's not too much of a stretch to get into another JV partnership that's um, you know out of state. So kind of used to doing business on the East Coast. So it's just adding on to that portfolio. As I say, it sounds like you've basically been like the long distance partnership guy for as long as I didn't realize that you've been that busy on the partnership side. That's cool. All right. So we've covered that. So you guys want to walk us through uh, your first deal together and how all that went down? Yep. Yeah. So um, our one of our main markets is uh, called Tri-City, Michigan, right? So it's uh, Midland, Bay City, Saginaw. Uh, one of our brokers through our relationships there sent us this uh, 52 unit deal. Um, it's a 32, a 12, and an eight, three different uh, properties uh, located in the same town. So it was a portfolio. And uh, yeah, send it to us. Figured the, the raise was about a $300,000 raise. And that was at the time um, early early uh, this year. So January, February timeframe, 2019, uh, was when I was starting to form this, this JV or, or have those conversations individually with Duke and Matt and Steve. And then this deal came along and I was like, okay, now I have something to bring to these guys uh, as a deal. And we can walk through it together, underwrite together and go from there. Um, we actually did something really cool with this one. Uh, so we bought the eight unit, right? So three parcels, uh, three properties. We bought the eight unit hundred percent cash with our, our JV money. Uh, while we were doing the due diligence and underwriting on the rest of the 44 units, the 32 and the 12. And when we were doing the underwriting and closing on that one, uh, going through the process, we ended up cross collateralizing the eight unit with the bank as the down payment for the rest of the 44 units. So we closed on a portfolio. It was about a million, $1.4 million portfolio. Um, at the second closing, we did a double closing and we ended up coming out of pocket. Um, I don't know, it was like 12 grand at the end of that because we, we had bought that first property hundred percent cash and got the local lender to, uh, cross collateralize it. So that wouldn't have happened. Like, um, like I was saying before doing small, uh, residential properties where you're going to gain conventional loans, you know, putting 20% down, getting a 30 year mortgage, they're pretty cookie cutter and you're not going to find lenders that are often very creative on stuff like that. Once you break into that commercial space, um, you can get extremely creative on the way you structure deals and the financing through either seller, seller carries, uh, mezzanine financing, bridge financing, um, long-term debt with hard money combos and stuff like that. Uh, so that's how we, we ended up closing that, uh, that first 52. Uh, we're going through um, starting phase two of the acquisition right now. So we took it over, uh, got all of our leases and everything audited, brought all of our systems online. And now we're getting to that point where we're 
uh, coming out of the high turnover from acquisition and getting it stabilized uh, going into the winter here. That's really cool. The cross collateralized. So I know guys who do a lot of cross collateralization for down payments and stuff. Um, in fact, I know a guy who's at like 160 units and I don't think he's partnered with anyone. And that's kind of his thing is just rolling and cross collateralizing. Um, but I don't know that I've ever heard of somebody doing it in that way where you literally buy a portion of the purchase in cash just to cross collateralize it against the rest. Like that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was one of those things like ignorance is bliss. Like I didn't know we couldn't do that. Right. If you ask anybody else, they're like, Oh, you can't do that. I'm like, well, we're going to do it until they tell us no. Right. It's kind of how it went. And then it ended up, uh, everything fell together. Uh, it took a while. Um, but everything fell together. We closed around July and it's been crushing ever since we've been grinding that property out. Yeah. You guys, uh, either of you two got anything to add on what Vince said, anything, did it seem different from your end? Was, was Vince like dragging you along and you're like, Whoa, no, no. I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, Vince definitely, uh, leads the charge. He's, uh, you know, he's kind of the one that's embedded in that market and, and brought us into it, um, with his relationships that were already there. Um, but no, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. I think the reason we did it that way, right, Vince, correct me if I'm wrong, but we just agreed to terms on the eight unit first, uh, seller didn't want to wait to close. So we said, yeah, we'll, we'll pay all cash for this. Uh, talk to that, that, um, the bank, Brian. And, and that's kind of how we came up with that process. It was really just fulfilling a need that we didn't know we had, um, you know, yep. that's, that's cool. Yeah. And during the due diligence, we were all working together on the underwriting and um, yeah, exactly. you know, verifying everything. So, I mean, we were working together like well before the close. So, yep. I think that's probably one of my favorite things with the partnership. Um, you know, Brandon Turner talked about it in his podcast on partnership like earlier this week, but the fact that you've got not, not only someone to double check your work, right? Because we all make mistakes, but somebody to just sit there and enjoy the process with you. Like I love analyzing properties, but I find that there are times where I'll analyze a property and I'm all stoked. And then I'm like, nobody cares. All right, great. You know, but it's cool that you guys can like, you know, in my mind, in like a perfect world, you guys are like sitting around drinking a beer and, and running through properties together. Yes. And that just sounds like my kind of party. So. Yep, definitely. That. And then there's also the the transparency of it, like you said, having somebody to double check your work. So I can run a spreadsheet, and there's been for this deal numerous nights where we were up till you know well past midnight, um, you know, on a Zoom call running through the numbers on this deal, like me and Duke and stuff. And um, just you know, when some person gets tired, they might be able to they'll miss something. The other person immediately catches it. Or on the what I personally like is playing devil's advocate. Right? Is running these numbers. They put out this, you know, awesome pro forma of how this is going to, uh, this property is going to perform for us. And then the other person on the team can just poke holes through it and be like, well, this is why it's not going to work. And then, so you're forcing yourself to go back and double, double check everything to think of contingencies and, um, you know, levy expectations and stuff like that. And, uh, think of different ways to different exit strategies for all these different uh, processes. And that's one of the biggest things that I gained out of doing a JV, doing a partnership is having those other people there to, to be that extra set of eyes um, from their perspective, uh, their unique perspective, right? Cause we all have different strengths and weaknesses. And it's one of the things you want on your team is people that complement your, your weaknesses. Um, like saying the military, building military teams a lot, right. It's going to be like, we don't want 
20 people that think and talk and act like me because 19 of us aren't required at that point. Right. So you want to build a team that each person has their own own perspective and own way of problem solving and think looking at problems um, through their lens or aperture or whatever terminology you want to use. Uh, that way the end result is, is so much better. We use the, what is it? Synergistic, right? That's a, the military term, right? But it absolutely, absolutely is true uh, in every aspect, not just in military teams, but um, real estate partnerships and JVs as well. So what does each one of you bring to the table? I'm sorry, Matt, I cut you off. Feel free to go. No, I was just going to say, speaking of sitting around drinking beer, um, just as an example on this property uh, specifically, the entire partnership flew out to Michigan. Uh, and as you know, in the Marines, it's the same, right? You get like a four-day pass um, when we can't put in leave. You're making a face like maybe not. but um, I'm just not going to incriminate myself. <laughs> so, well, so we flew out there to check this property out. Well, I think we got in like a late Friday night, Saturday morning. Uh, Vince had arranged that the entire team was there, right? Brokers, property management. Um, Even the ha- handyman, the contractor, yeah. everybody. Yeah, cool. and it was all hands on deck. So we, we showed up Saturday morning. We toured the property. Uh, we broke for lunch with the property management. And then we kind of, we got back to where we were staying and, as a team, we sat down and built a checklist, um, you know, just kind of speaking to the advantages of the partnership, you know, went down the list of everything we needed to get done, how many people could we actually meet face to face. And it was just ready break, you know, start calling vendors and getting quotes. Um, you know, everybody had a, a piece to it. Um, so that was fun. we kind of came back together and shared all that. Um, but just, you know, it would have been a, you know, astronomical amount of work for one person. Um, so something else that we that we were able to do, and it was a fun trip. Yeah, the strength in numbers too. I mean, just be able to divide up the work because, yeah, like Matt said, it's, it's a lot of work for one person. So helps to be able to have multiple people, especially like walking the properties too. Like you can split it up, so it's not like we're all you know walking the same properties. So. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, it's definitely definitely time consuming to try to tackle something like that on your own, and especially if you've got a full time job as all of us do. So, um, yeah, that's a huge advantage. So what, uh, like who does, who does what in your JV? Who's the analytical guy? Who's the dreamer? Like, how did you guys get that up? Yeah. So, um, just because I had the, the competitive advantage in the market, I was already embedded, uh, from my other 20 units in my other company. Um, I already knew a lot of the players, um, a lot of contractors. So I'm, uh, my role is the operator. So I handle, I manage the managers. I manage all the, the teams in, uh, in Michigan there, um, built kind of set out the systems uh, of how we're going to operate. Um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much what I do is that manage the managers as the operator. Yeah. So I do a little bit of a new market lead generation. Um, you know, Michigan is a far trip and it's, it's cold. We're looking to expand in some different markets. So, um, I'll shoot out emails or call brokers and, and just try to look at some of their deals. And then as a team, I'll pass them to Duke and Vince and, and they underwrite some of their deals and we, we do communicate back. This is what we like. This is what we didn't like. Um, just so that they know that we're serious and we know what we're looking at. Um, and they'll start sending us some of their better listings. And um, I help Vince with the operations also, like also managing the managers, uh, those Monday morning calls um, and the finance side, like the accounting, like bookkeeping um, and marketing. So building our website and eventually launching a podcast soon. Oh, yeah. We're talking about, uh, 
you know, strengths and weaknesses. So I'm pretty good at underwriting. I'm pretty good at operating. I don't know the first thing about um, marketing at all. So when it would do cool, like, Hey, I got this new website or this new app that's going to help us this. I'm like, okay, like I, I trust you. I don't, I don't, I'm not even smart enough to have an educated, uh, you know, choice in this topic. So whatever you say, I'm good with. <laughs> um, so that's one of those things you want to want your team members to, to compliment, you know, where you're lacking. Oh, and uh, speaking of marketing, uh, Steve, our other partner that's not on here, he's also um, part of the marketing team. So Steve and I have been working on uh, the leasing um, portion of the 52 unit portfolio. And uh, yeah, I think we've found something that's a little bit more innovative than the typical um, way that people manage these properties, which is um, in leasing, you just let the PM run the leasing. But we found that we want more than that. Like, so we ended up um, running Facebook ads for the um, leasing listings, and uh, we had them um, professionally photographed, and then we had virtual staging, which is kind of new for this uh, segment of the market because nobody does that for like C-class, you know, apartment buildings. So super uh, cool. Yes, yes, it is. Did you and that helped us. Yeah, like we got like our um, listings filled pretty quickly from that. And the majority of them came from Facebook. So. That's cool. And uh, Facebook ads are cheap. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. We, um, I've never done anything like that, but you know, getting into the analytics and and Duke will boost up those ads when we see that the most, the most traction is getting, getting had on those, those ads. And, um, something with this deal is kind of during the underwriting, we had planned for, you know, X amount of turnovers in the first year. Well, those happened for us in the first month. Um, so Duke's kind of marketing strategy has been, has been awesome really because we're, we're just about a hundred percent occupancy pretty quickly. It's funny how you'll go months with like nothing. And then all of a sudden there's like, like I've had one of those months over the last month where I just, I mean, I literally had someone die and like no one knew that he was dead for like weeks. So I had uh, to bring in like an environmental cleaner for like $5,000 to get rid of the carpet. So it's like, you know, this, so it's like, I had like nothing this whole year for this property. And then all of a sudden it's like, boop, 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 like thing after thing after thing. And then it'll go back down. I probably won't have anything for the rest of the year, but I've already got that whole budget spent. So and that's, yeah. that lends into exactly why multifamily is, is so much better, right? So if you had, I know you got like that 10 unit that and, was the and that stuff, right? Yeah. So if that was a, you know, if you had two duplexes you and you, you needed a $5,000 expense, you're, you're done. Like your whole year is shot, yep. right? And for me, um, with my other, my other 20 units, I did add like three water heaters and something else happened, like a, a case like bed bugs or something or something that needed remediated in, in September. And normally that would have, if, that, if I stayed small, that would have crushed me. That would have been my whole year, you know, cause we're talking, um, six, $7,000 in expenses in one month. Yep. Right. So if I was doing just the small single family houses or duplexes or fourplexes, that would have been, that would have been a whole year's worth, even with the reserves, like a whole year's worth of, or at least a whole quarter's worth of, uh, cash flow gone. Yep. Um, so the, the security that you get from going bigger is awesome. Um, cause we didn't even, we had, we had, I don't know how many turnover, um, probably like 15 units turned over in the first month on a 52 unit, right. In the first month of acquisition and we, we still paid the bills on time and everything like that, uh, cause our break even was at 67% occupancy. So, uh, we had no problem, um, keeping the lights on and everything. So, this lends into why multifamily is 
yeah. so much better. No, absolutely. Like exactly that. Even a duplex, if you lose yeah. one side, it's you're still stuck for a little while. It's it's yep. not the end of the world, but it's not yeah. the same as you know the scale. Awesome. Um, so any uh, just from a quick touch point. Um, for one, I, I'm going to explain because even though it's like 25 minutes into the show, 20 minutes into the show, that uh, JV means joint venture. Um, I don't know why I never actually said that. I'm sorry. I just realized I've been saying JV, JV, JV. Um, so we're talking about joint ventures for those of you who are unfamiliar. But um, could you explain briefly what a, because I'm trying to do a better job of not answering my own questions on the show, uh, what a JV is and why you would go with a JV as opposed to like forming a full on uh, corporation or, or however you would. Like a syndication, Duke. You want to take yeah. that one since you're in both? Um, sure. So the difference is in JV, all the partners need to be active. Um, whereas in a syndication model, you can have um, general partners who are active and then limited partners who are passive. Um, so in a JV, legally, you can't really have passive investors. So that's how we structure this one. Yep. And this one, since there's four of us, it was an easy, easy split, 25%. Everybody has equal equity in the company on uh, the new Tri-City Equity Group LLC that we formed. Um, everybody has 25%. Everything's full transparency. Every dollar that we retain over our reserve threshold is split into, into four ways. Um, we do quarterly distributions and uh, annual filing. We'll do a K-1 um, whenever we file. And then everybody takes that K-1 and goes into their own CPA and files out however they want. Here, I thought we were just the junior varsity waiting to get over a hundred units so we can make the varsity team. Yeah. Joint venture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, insert joke about army versus Marine Corps here. Um, no. <laughs> um, okay. So that was, let's see, I had another question on here. Oh, downsides, right? Everybody always gets all fearful about things. So yeah. obviously there's downsides with doing a joint venture or going big. Um, there's downsides to everything. Um, what do you think would be some of the more common like traps to avoid and what have you guys done to mitigate those when jumping into a partnership with people who, I mean, you, you know each other, right? But like yeah. not for your entire life, like there's all these things that, yep. what if? So yeah, I got, I got a perfect uh, example. So at the, earlier in the in the call I was talking about definitely when, when you're talking about joining these partnerships, um, you definitely, it's not something you're going to jump into. Like you're getting into like almost a marriage. So many meetings, many, you know, beers or dinners or something like that before, uh, you get into any, anywhere near signing paper. You want to make sure that this person has similar goals and values, right. That you do, um, similar work ethic. Uh, another important one is their timeline, right? If you're, if you're doing, uh, large buy and hold multifamily with a seven to 10 year timeline, you don't want to partner up with somebody that wants a hundred percent return on their money next year, right? Mm -hmm. That that's used to wholesaling or flipping, right? It's not going to work. They're going to be very impatient. Um, they're not going to understand why it's taking so long, stuff like that. Um, I already talked about, uh, different strengths and weaknesses. I think the biggest one, uh, when we talk about downside and in, in my experience is definitely egos. Um, is probably the biggest one. People, their, their egos start bumping up uh, together. Um, and it's one of those things you just have to kind of look inwardly first instead of pointing the finger at somebody else and get through that, uh, get through that process. And this is something that the military teaches very well um, with, with forming teams. Uh, and, you know, the different process, the, the forming, the storming, the, all, all those different uh, 
team process that you can expect to happen when people's personalities kind of get comfortable and start clashing or um, their motives or whatever and, and how to work through it. Um, and a perfect example of this is me and Matt actually met somebody recently and this guy is, he bragged a lot about how much money he had and all this stuff. And after talking with him for, for 10 minutes, we were like, there's absolutely no way I'm working with that guy. Like he, he's so obnoxious and pretty much told us he was a, uh, you know, a micromanager from hell. Oh, yeah. So it's not just about who, who's bringing the most money. Like just cause you, you find uh, a man or woman that has like, Hey, I got $300,000 ready to invest. Let's go. Like be very hesitant to, to just see the dollar signs and, and seeing what they can bring to the, the table. Um, cause yeah, I, as soon as we got done talking to that guy, Matt, I was like, yeah, we're, there's no way that a million could ever going to work with that guy. Um, no, I couldn't do it. No matter how much money, how many millions of dollars he's bringing to the table. So I and think I was, that's more important than just how much equity they're bringing to the table. Uh, what, what do you guys got? Yeah, I think part of the way that we mitigate that too is just by defining roles, right? So um, if a decision needs to made, obviously, or be made, obviously we, we look to the whole group for input. But if, if there's not time for that, you know, Duke can make that decision on his own regarding marketing, for example. Uh, no one's going to question it because, because that's his job. Um, I think we've been fortunate that we haven't really butt heads on too many things. Um, but as far as like a downside of a partnership goes, uh, yeah, we don't really, I, I mean, I haven't seen that we have that yet. Just, just by defining those roles, um, you know, we might have a different opinion, but then the uh, kind of the majority vote goes to whoever is responsible for that activity. Um, like the, the, but. the CPA thing, right? We just had that, like, I wanted one guy, uh, Duke brought somebody else that was cheaper and the group voted for the, 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 the cheaper guy and it was settled. That's, there's no, no point in getting, you know, worked up about it or anything like, okay, that's the way the group's moving. Uh, press, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, just communication too is key to avoid some of the downsides. I think one of the biggest downsides is miscommunication, right? Like, I mean, that's typical in any team. Like if you don't communicate enough or if you don't, you don't get the message across correctly. Um, but so we've been trying to mitigate that by having, you know, regular communication. Like we have a group chat and then zoom calls and we have our, you know, regularly, um, weekly, uh, calls with our property manager. So that's how we kind of stay on the same page. Yeah. Vince and I were talking about this earlier and I, I don't know what the Marines calls it. I think the air force is still calling it command and control. The army's calling it mission command now. Um, but any task that needs to be done, right. You just, instead of micromanaging, we're, we're giving a, a clear and concise intent and an end state. And then we just let the operators execute that uh, however they choose to, right? As long as it gets done, we don't really care how, um, but we're not going to micromanage. Uh, and we do the same kind of within the group. Yeah, that's what I was about to say is it sounds like you've thrown a lot of general military leadership and just leadership into, because that's up what the way you said it earlier, Matt, about if a decision needs to be made and there's not time, like you guys all know the end state. It's decentralized command. You all know, hey, this needs to happen and this will get us there. Like if I don't have time, I can make that call. If I do have time, I can, you know, bring it to the table, um, which I think is really cool. I think that's powerful to think of, you know, and I'm going to exclude Duke for a second here. No, um, but I mean, because the military, right, people, people get wrapped around. We all hear it. Like the people who get out and they're like, oh, you know, I just kicked indoors for a living. I didn't learn anything in the military. Like 
that's not what makes you money. Being an air, aircraft mechanic, being a motor T guy, being a logistician, being a whatever in the military, that's not what makes you money once you get out. What makes you money when you get out is understanding how to form a team, how to work together, how to lead, how to make decisions. The decision-making one I think is, is huge, like being able to just pull the trigger on something. Um, and so I think it's cool that you guys have, whether intentionally or totally inadvertently, been able to bring very clearly some of those aspects into your JV. Yeah, it's universal across every industry, you know? Yeah. Successful people know how to make decisions and do. I can. You can. Go for it. No, I, I was just going to say earlier. Tell um, my editor to leave that in there and make this like super long, awkward silence. <laughs> editor, take that out. <laughs> yeah, you talked about earlier kind of the decision point to do a JV, and that's that's kind of where it was at for me. Is like I knew I had some gaps to fill, but Vince presented the opportunity, and it was like I can lean on some other people and, and, and learn along the way, and, and that was my decision point. It's like I'm just going to do something, right? I'll figure it out as I go. All right. So if you had to, what would you say is the best part of being in a partnership that you've seen so far? Uh, for me, it's just been in these other guys' knowledge, right? Vince uh, already owned properties. Duke already owned properties. Steve already owned some properties. I had done, uh, like I said, some live-in flips. I had done some training, but I didn't own any multifamily properties. Um, I had, you know, an understanding of the napkin underwriting, but these guys and their spreadsheets, it's, it's really amazing what they do. Um, and I'm just not there yet. And I'm okay with that. I'm learning. These guys are teaching me. Luckily they haven't been too hard on me. Uh, but for me, the, the biggest advantage to the partnership is, is having teammates that, you know, they give me confidence in making these decisions too, because I know that they're, they, they got my back. Um, and they're going to, you know, I guess they pick up the slack if, if I if I drop the ball on something, uh, and I'm always learning. Well, I think uh, one of the strengths of a partnership is that you can diversify the risk so that, you know, if I do one deal by myself, that's all my money in one, one deal. But if I'm spreading it out with multiple people, then, you know, that means I can do more deals faster and bigger um, and diversify geographically too. Yeah, for me, it was um, definitely breaking through a plateau uh, not just money wise, like I ran out of money or whatever, but also my bandwidth. Right. So I had this hodgepodge of 20 units that I still have, but I, I knew very quickly that I wasn't going to be able to continue to script to scale and grow. That was key picking up these, these duplexes and four units and, and whatever. So just being able to have that, uh, uh, pool our resources together and go after bigger deals faster and grow faster um, was, was huge for me. And then also sharing the workload uh, on those deals. Um, like we said, you know, I'm still active duty. So I just got back from TDY in Alaska uh, where I was out for a week and um, there's a lot of stuff I couldn't do. So, you know, everybody else do and picked up the slack, was able to make calls, send emails when I was um, didn't have the, uh, the internet access to that I normally would or the phone access that I normally would. So that, that's huge for me. Just being able to grow, grow faster together. Um, get rid of that, that scarcity, you know, fear mindset of I need to control everything. Everything needs to be mine. Uh, and have that, you know, that abundant mindset of like, we can grow a lot faster and a lot bigger together. Um, definitely the biggest for me. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a valid point. Um, I mean, that's why I, like, I try to stay like a full month, ahead of content right now because I don't 
necessarily have that if I'm not around to record stuff, then you know, I'm, I'm working on it. But for now, like with the content side of the house, you know, if I'm not here, I mean, I'm me, there's no one else running the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regard, I totally understand. But yeah, that'd be really nice sometimes on the real estate side to have more people, you know, out there to help out with things. Cause without my property manager, I wouldn't have been successful this far. It would have fallen apart at one point or another when I was gone. So, all right. Would you guys recommend tackling deals with a joint venture off the bat or should you underwrite some deals or, or knock out some, some deals on your own? I know we've got a all different experience levels. I'm kind of interested to hear what your thoughts are on this. Yeah. For me, um, partner as fast as you can. Uh, I think I, I, my learning curve has been pretty sharp. Um, I started with, a single family built up to the, the, the 20 units in about was it 18 months and then quickly realized that I was hitting a wall really fast. Um, so I jumped into that, that light bulb for me of, of JV and partnering about two years, three years into this. Uh, for most people, a lot of people we talk to at meetups and stuff like that, networking, they go 10, 20 years on their own, just, uh, you know, lone wolves out there in real estate investing before they, they've had enough and they need to, they need to partner with somebody. Um, so I think for me, partner with somebody as fast as possible, uh, preferably somebody more experienced than you. Um, that way you can, like, like Matt was saying, you can learn, um, from them as you're also investing, you're getting a return on your, uh, your money at the same time. Yeah. I would say for me, um, I, even if I grow to be the most knowledgeable multifamily investor that there is, the partnerships, like Vince said earlier, is just that velocity of capital. You know, with my money, maybe I can buy a, a, a 10 unit, but with four of us, we're buying a 52 unit and the returns are just better, right? I mean, you can multiply that money and buy bigger deals. Um, so for me, personally, I don't see myself ever not doing a JV. Yeah, no, for me, I started, um, well, at least in multifamily in a partnership in uh, Indianapolis. So um, bought a three unit with a partner. And then uh, before two years is over, we sold it and you know, we both made our profit. Um, and then in Pittsburgh, same thing, it's partnership. So yeah, I mean, in the multifamily space, it's always been partners for me because it's you know, a matter of just diversifying and uh, being able to grow faster. Yeah, n- another key point, sorry, uh, circle this back around. So we're all in Hawaii, right? And all of our product, all of our, our, our properties are all mainland in Michigan. We're looking at Texas now and, and Pittsburgh. Um, so that imagine how hard that would be if we were on our own managing property, acquiring property, underwriting property, doing all the due diligence uh, from properties four or 5,000 miles away. Right. That's, that's a, a lot of stress to put on yourself for, for no reason. Um, so you build these teams, you do these partnerships, uh, I know Duke's uh, one of his partners is on the ground in Pittsburgh, right? So he's the on, a boots on the ground guy for this JV Tri City Equity Group. Uh, we built the team in Michigan that there are their boots on the ground there, and we just kind of keep constant communication with them. Um, but yeah, if you're especially active duty, but bringing it back to our, our military audience, you're going to be geographically separated to your units. You know, at some point in your career, right? It's going to happen. Uh, so you don't want to wait to the time you get an assignment, uh, to start building these systems and start building these teams because you, it's going to be so much stress, um, that you're going to put on yourself that it's not needed and you can plan ahead, uh, build these systems out, um, way ahead of time. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. It's all about teams. Um, even, you know, for me who most, not all anymore, but most of my stuff was done without a partner. Um, kind of like you first, first, you know, X number of units was all my own. Um, but I still had the team on the ground and without that, there would have been no way for it to even be possible. So it's a valid point. Um, all right. So I know Vince, I know you've invested in some coaching this year, which we talked about back when I was in Hawaii. Um, so I guess I was just going to ask, you know, looking from the, the coaching standpoint, just cause I know you've done that and I've seen you at some of the events and, um, you know, I don't know for Duke, Matt, I don't know what you guys do for personal development, but I'd love to hear kind of what you guys have done as far as, uh, coaching, learning, mentoring, whatever, and, and how that's helped you out. Like what the most valuable thing you've gotten out of that was. It was a total um, change of pace. So yeah, for me, I, um, joined Lane's mastermind. Um, and I thought that was really helpful because, well, now I have like, closer access to some of the stuff that uh, he puts out. Um, that's kind of a little bit more exclusive than just the general um, stuff. Cause I mean, he produces a ton of content, but um, also the networking with uh, potential, you know, future investors and other passive investors in that group. So yeah, I'm probably going to keep doing that. Yeah. So for me, like I said, my strategy when I first started was, um, was a little bit different. I was going to get into the wholesaling single family. So I did the, uh, clever investor mentorship program with Cody Sperber. Um, I got a lot of pretty good computer based stuff through the program, some direct marketing, um, things like that. And then of course my mentor. So when I switch strategies, I, I still pick up the phone and give him a call because he's doing the bigger deals. Uh, right. So now I just have different questions that I can ask him. Um, you know, not too long ago, I think we were looking at a mobile home park and he had some experience with that. So I hit him up and was sending him the deal. And sometimes I'll contact him, um, you know, cause we're always raising money. Right. So I'll contact him with, with deals and see if he's interested or see who he knows that might be. Um, and then just kind of on my own, because these guys have done other programs. Right. So we kind of all share lessons learned from that. Um, you know, the networking events, I, I really like those as opposed to just like a strict course. Vince and I just got back, uh, recently from the Jake and Gino wheelbarrow profits in Orlando. That was pretty awesome. Uh, that was new to me. He's part of that community. Um, so we got to meet a lot of people that he's been talking to online, uh, meet a lot of the vendors and then just reading books, like book after book, you know, pick one up, finish it. You find another problem, find a book that covers it, uh, and start reading it. And for me, um, I did a lot of the, the, what is it, Bigger Pockets? Yeah, so I started with all the Bigger Pockets books, Brent Turner books. Um, that's what I used to uh, buy all my, the first 20 units, all the small multifamily. And then once I hit that, that wall, uh, that plateau, I needed another resource, another something to get me over that, um, that Bigger Pockets really didn't have at the time. Uh, and that's when I found the Jake and Gina Wheelbarrow Profits Academy, did that program and within uh, within six months of starting that program we were in contract on a 52 unit um just not only does it give you the knowledge but the confidence to be able to tackle these deals the the people in the community um big help uh just having that community out there everybody sent very similar goals than you very similar problems everything's been covered 100 times um just ask a question 10 people respond to you in an hour uh but yeah the program itself has been has been awesome in, in helping us uh, shorten that that learning curve and then implement systems that we would have had to build from scratch. And not only do they tell you like, here's the system, um, here's our vendor, 
who, who we use to implement this system, right? Whether it's um, ratio uh, utility billing systems, rubs, or uh, something else for, for utilities or lease management. Um, they, they'll give you, here's why you need the system. Here's the system we developed and here's our vendors to, to help you um, get the system off the ground. Uh, so that was huge for us. Um, being able to just almost plug and play, just, you know, you do, you do little tweaks on everything just to personalize it to whatever your need is or whatever your problem is. But just having that resource there has been huge. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of quality coaching programs. Um, absolutely. I, I wouldn't do the, wouldn't advise to go to like those weekend, you know, boot camps that are, you know, you get the free buffet and run in the back of the room and sign up, uh, like whatever, Dan Merrill or whatever those guys are. Yeah. But, him, rich dad, poor dad. And I think there's, a yeah, yeah. Does it. yeah. So I wouldn't advise that. I, I would definitely, do, you know, referral only, uh, kind of, kind of thing. Like find somebody that has proven success. Like they, they've done the program and they can show you their portfolio. Of, here's where I was at two years ago and here's where I'm at now. 100% because of this program. Um, that, that's kind of the due diligence I would do before you start stroking a check for a couple grand um, yeah. for, for these things. Cause you're a lot of people that, you know, yeah, I went to this, this program. I did all this stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah, what are you doing? They're like, Oh, well I'm still, you know, building my foundation. Right. Like a lot of the, I don't want, I don't want to keep name dropping, but yeah, I hear a lot of people like, you know, we, we, you know, I spent 10 grand and this program's great. They do everything. And, you know, I'm still kind of in the, the setup of my, my corporation phase. I'm like, dude, it's been a year. Like you haven't done a deal yet. You dropped 20 grand on this program. Yeah. And I set my corporation up by literally getting yeah. my property manager to send me a word document of her LLC filing and changing names. Yeah. And it's like 50 bucks, right. Yeah. To, to register like, with the state. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah. So definitely find, find people that can show you, can prove to you their success with programs and, you know, people that are enthusiastic and passionate about those. So for me, the, the Jake and Gino family has been, been instrumental in, in my success and growth over the last year. I think it's important to touch on Vince said that he kind of found that community um, as part of getting through his plateau. So um, just to kind of touch on what Vince said is start with that foundation, your self-education before you're dropping money. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't hire a, a trainer to get you ready for the NFL if you didn't even know what the sport of football was. Right. So reading books, there's tons of free resources out there. Bigger pockets is one. Yep. Um, if we're going to plug books, I've got me and Vince both have our books sitting here uh, ready to show, but start there. And then that way, when you get that mentor that you're, you're paying a lot of money for, you have the right questions to ask, right? You don't want them to be telling you, do this, do this, do this. And you're like, okay, what does that mean? What is, you know, what is a JV? I, I was on JV in high school. Um, <laughs> you know, just to build the foundation, be, be ready for a mentor, Right. What do they say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. Knowledge. Yeah. Bingo. I like that you mentioned, uh, I mean, obviously all the tangible benefits for all of you guys, but the one thing that most of you said, and I know Vince definitely said is the, like the, the intangible it's when you pay to play with these coaching organizations or, or with these masterminds or whatever, it's the people you're getting around. Right. So like Duke was in Lane's mastermind. I now have a mastermind that I, that I operate and the guys that are in the group are all studs. And that's been awesome. Cause it's like, Holy crap. Every time I get on a call, like I'm getting to talk to people who are rock stars 
They're getting to talk to people who are rock stars. Everyone in this group is talking to people who are rock stars and somebody can solve basically any problem that everyone has. Um, and it's the access, like that's huge. Being able to just pick up the phone and go, oh, I know who can solve this problem. Um, so much easier than Google uh, and, and much yeah. better advice usually. So. Yeah, I forget the uh, I forget the exact verbiage, but something about you know proximity equals success, right? Uh, if you just get around people that are doing what you want to do, you know you'll figure it out. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash militarymillionaire. Now, why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. I listen to Audible every single day on my commute to and from work. Now, to download your free audiobook today, go to Audible trial.com slash military millionaire. I guess my first question would, as Matt was itching to do over there, I'll let him uh, plug his, his book. So what kind of resources, books, courses, websites, like what do you guys recommend for the, the newbie? Yeah. So this, yep. By David Lindahl. I know a David Lindahl and I doubt it's that guy. <laughs> but uh, this book might as well be, you know, multifamily for dummies. It literally is a step-by-step -step, do this, then this, then this. Uh, and, you know, make money while you have a day job and never be a landlord. Uh, Vince recommended I read this book and I did. And it's like, it's so basic. It tells you everything literally that you need to know. Who's next? Duke. Oh, sure. Um, I guess for the <laughs> newer investors, uh, this book uh, by Brandon yeah, Turner. Yeah, that was one of my first three. Yep. Yeah, the book on no and low money down um, because it kind of makes you think creatively because a lot of people... Yeah, those were the other ones. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people um, think that they can't invest because of so-and-so reason or excuse. Um, but you just have to you know, think a little bit outside the box and you know, there are ways to get in the game. Yeah, for me... Um I'm going to plug this book here just because it just came out and I was very, very impressed with it. It's uh, The Honeybee um, by Jake and Gino, the Wheelbarrow Profits um, owners. It's uh, pretty much like a new generation, rich dad, poor dad, and um, what's the other one? Richest Man in Babylon. So it's kind of like that. Uh, but even, even me, right? so I, we got 72 units, been investing for a long time, and I'm still highlighting this book. So even, even for not just beginners changing one of those huge paradigm shifting books. Uh, cause it, it absolutely is that, but it also has some stuff in there that, um, experienced investors need to be reminded of like, uh, for example, vertical integration, right? So we're still not vertically integrated in the full sense of the word. We're trying to get there, but uh, you know, you don't see many beginner investor books talk about, you know, vertical integration, uh, and, and the importance of it what that is because I, you're right. Not enough people talk about it. And I'm sure half my listeners don't know what that is. Yeah. So it's pretty much, you have your core business and, and our example, right? It's military, uh, not military, yeah. uh, multifamily apartments, right? So you have multifamily apartments and then you have all these different industries or aspects that need to feed into that core business. So you'd have property management needs to be inside. So most people third party that out, right? Sub subcontract that out. Uh, vertical integration would be developing, starting another company or right, another offshoot LLC and having you own the property management company and then you owning the capital equity group uh, also, right? Rather than going out and having to, to raise money and bring money in, you, you uh, have a 
capital group that can also fund your deals and fund other people's deals, right? So vertical, you, every aspect of your real estate industry, you own rather than subbing it out and having that economies of scale in house. And that's uh, one of the topics of that book is they, they talk about that rather than you might, you might need to sub it out at, at the beginning because you don't have the, the bandwidth or the, the know how to do that stuff. But once you get established, you should really think about bringing as much of that stuff in house as possible and putting these offshoot companies that all feed your main core business, which is acquiring and operating multifamily apartment building. So yeah, I think I did that kind of clear. No, that was accurate. Uh, vertical integration is, I mean, that's where the big money is. That's what, uh, I mean, we all know Corey, that's what, that's what yeah, they did he just did it. Right. So from house flipper to house yeah. flipper with a brokerage, with a lending company, with a contractor, and it's just everything yeah. comes through them. Um, yeah. which means you get better prices. Yes. And it also means you're making money when those people are working for other people. So it's just a win-win. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and you probably get better quality out of your contractor because you employ him rather than like hope he shows up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's, uh, I think every, um, entrepreneur should have that at some point in their business plan of after they get their foundation in to be always thinking toward, uh, building systems and then building for vertical integration. Um, like one of the old, the old books, right? So I'm going to plug the E-Myth, right? So every every entrepreneur that's going to build, build a business needs to read this book, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Definitely talks about the importance of building the franchise model. But not, that used to be the standard, right? That, that For entrepreneurs. But it doesn't talk about vertical integration, right? So we need to get to that next level, right? That uh, 2.0 of build the systems, have everything in that franchise model to where it can plug and play and you can step out, but now get it vertically integrated. So you own every aspect of the, the company that's feeding your main business. So that one's really good. Um, I know we talked about this before and I'll just plug one more is the book that made me the most money is never split the difference. Uh, not a real estate book. It can be anything, really anything, but, uh, that book uh, an article on that. Yeah, I do owe you an article on that. Yeah. So <laughs> the article was, you know, how one email saved, what was it, $80,000 yeah. like or something? $84,000, yeah. Yeah. And that was 100% from from this book, the Chris Voss uh, concept. So it, not really a real estate book, but we're talking about the, the biggest ROI in 300 pages that hands down uh, that book. I made, I saved... 4,800, 4,500 yeah. on uh, negotiations on a property while I was still reading that book because of that. Yeah. Um, that's not 80 grand, but uh, it's definitely more than the book cost. Exactly. So. Yeah. So not, not really a real estate book, but absolutely uh, hands down the most, most money I've ever made off a book off a, you know, a, a weekend of reading. Yeah. And on that note, before we wrap this up, I'm going to plug, if you haven't read this book, you totally should, especially because I don't know if you guys ever plan on raising capital, but um, it's similar to never split the difference in a weird way. It's called the like switch. I was recommended this at a, um, a month ago and it's, I had it sitting in here, but it's in my room now to do more actionable. It's one of those, it's the first book. I think normally I listen to an audio book. If it's really good, I'll buy the hard copy. I think this is the first audio book that I bought the hard copy before I finished the audio book. Um, but it's another FBI guy who wrote a book and this guy, basically his job was like convincing foreign spies to spy on their nation for the U S uh, through nonverbal stuff. And so like the whole book is just like how to make people 
like you. And it, it, the guy who recommended it is a huge, huge uh, capital raiser for flipping and, and everything. And he was like, this is the reason I raised capital because people like me and I'm not a likable person. I just understand this work. He's like, I'm a quiet dude. But um, so it was, it was pretty cool. But it's a super cool book because it's written kind of in the same mindset as Never Saw the Difference where it like tells you how something happened and then breaks down like piece by piece how to make it happen. Um, even as like, yeah. pictures of like, if it talks about an eyebrow raise, it has a picture of it so you can see what he's doing. It's a pretty cool book. Nice. Yeah, yeah anyway. I'd like that. Um, all right. So before we wrap this up, uh, where can people get a hold of you guys? Duke, this is your moment to shine with all the links and... <laughs> Um, I guess for our company, uh, we have a website, so tricityequity.com. Um, and then our IG is also at tricityequity. Um, and then for me, my IG is um, duke.ong.realtor. Um, I'm actually hosting um, multifamily meetups also monthly um, on Oahu. Um, so that our group is Honolulu Multifamily More. And uh, the next meetup will be December 3rd at uh, Symphony on Ward in Kakako. Uh, starts at 6 p.m. So if anybody's on island and free to go, then yeah, check us out. Yeah. So my Instagram is also, I can be found through the same, but uh, at Matt Callahan. Yeah. I don't know if I have an Instagram, um, <laughs> but I'm on Facebook. Right? Vincent Gethings, the only one. Um, email, uh, what is it? Vincent at villanautics.com. Cool. Well, uh, any last parting words or advice before we wrap this up? Yeah, I think, well, like if you're starting out, I think networking and meeting other investors is huge because um, that doesn't really cost anything or, you know, very little compared to these guru programs. Um, and when you're making decisions, uh, you should always identify your criteria and make them based on underwriting and math, not emotions, because um, it's easy to get caught up in the deal and be emotional about it. Um, but like we really try to stick to that principle of uh, investing based on underwriting. Yeah, emotions are terrible things. They will destroy you. <laughs> what do you got, Matt? Yeah, so I just kind of, you know, talking earlier, I know you like to ask if we could, you know, tell E1, E2, any piece of advice. Um, something that I think a lot of military get get hung up on is they get a pay raise. And the, the mindset is, oh, you know, I'm making an extra $300. That's a new $300 car payment I can get. Every time they get promoted, they increase their spending, uh, right? So it doesn't matter how much you make if you're spending it all. So, you know, if you're comfortably living at a certain paycheck, do something that's going to help you in the long term with that pay raise. Invest it in something. Um, you know, we choose real estate. There's you know, cash value life insurance. There's high interest savings accounts. Um, just don't take that as an opportunity to spend it and start early, um, Right. I think at least most of us are investing in real estate so that one day we can have financial freedom to just kind of do whatever we want. And if you're always spending that money, uh, you're just you're not going to get there. Exactly. Yeah. So for mine, uh, the E1, E2 you know, nuggets there would be um, understanding what opportunity cost is and not not just for your money, but also for your time. Um, so every every dollar you spend, you have forfeited every other possible decision uh, to, to utilize that dollar, um, forever. Right. So same thing for your, your time, every, every hour you spend on the couch watching TV or playing video games or drinking at a bar is an hour that you lost forever where you could be educating yourself. So opportunity cost, um, understanding the time value of money, right. Compounding interest. Um, 
and, and delayed gratification, right? Like if you can just have the discipline to, uh, do make smart decisions with your time and money very early on in your career, it's going to pay dividends for literally the rest of your life. Um, so that, that'd be my advice for them, for anybody uh, looking to get in real estate and partnering, um, definitely lose your ego, find your why, like your no shit. Like this is your, this is your why, this is why you wake up every morning. This is what's going to you know get you through the suck. Um, so find your why, uh, partner sooner. Um, and set unreasonable goals. I think that's another thing that most people do is they, they set realistic goals because they don't want to fail or their perceptions of what they're capable of are based off of what their, their inner circle is doing. Like the power five, we talked about that earlier, uh, who you you spend time with or or your family. Um, so a lot of people that I, I see in both inside the military and outside, they set these realistic goals because, which are way low than what they, they can actually do um, based off of these perceptions and they don't really want to test themselves. So um, I get people to set goals that are so, so ridiculous and so unreasonable that the only way uh, to succeed is you have to take massive action and give up frivolous things um, is the only way to achieve those goals. Then after six months, I see them like, holy crap, you know, I, I hit a five-year goal in, in eight months. Right. Thanks. Um, so I think that's, uh, one of the biggest things there's, or a couple of the biggest things there. Right. So yeah, we can get Vince going on getting rid of smart goals. Yeah. He is not an advocate of the smart goal, but you know, it's a valid point, right? If you're shooting to make a million dollars a month and you come up short and only make $500,000 a month, like, Hey, I'll take that. Exactly. Yeah. Reaching for those astronomical the, goals. Yeah. I think the smart structure works, but I definitely take the reasonable or attainable piece and say, eh, we'll just add a zero to whatever that number is. Yeah. Was. Yeah. So I, the way I teach it is set, set massive goals. I kind of like the 10 X rule of Grant Cardone level of goals. Uh, and then I set smart milestones, right? So that's part of my, when I coach and I mentor my, my younger airmen, um, that's how I do that is we, we whatever their original goal is, you, like you said, add some zeros to it or whatever, and then set smart milestones that, you know, this is what we need to do one year. It's what we need to do one month. It's what we need to do at six months. It's what we need to do this week. It's what we need to do today uh, in order to, to achieve that goal. Um, yep. No, you and I agree on that completely. I, I was going to buy, what was it, uh, 2000, yeah, uh, to the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, you and I were talking and we were talking about that and uh, 10X and goals. And I had literally written on a piece of paper, I'm going to buy three units at the end of this year as my goal. And I was like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing here. And I added a zero to it at 30 and I had closed on 10 by the end of February. Um, nice. And that's, you know, that's, and then I obviously I went on and bought more after that, but like the, the, the fact that was what drove it home to me was like, Oh, I just like tripled my, what was going to be my annual goal in less than two months. I should yeah. probably do this more often. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like my, my original, my, my 10 year goal of my, you know, getting out of the military and my retirement goal was uh, 20 units. Um, read the 10 X rule, read the one thing, kind of meshed those two books together and I hit 20 units in 18 months, yeah. right? Just by forcing myself to take massive action. So it absolutely works. Yeah, that's incredible. All right, guys, I'm going to have to wrap this up, but thank you very, very much to Tri-Sigwid... Tri- <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 
Tri-City Equity Group. Try to combine words there. It's almost like I don't know how to read. Um, that's the Marine in me, I guess. Cool. It's been fun. All right. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military millionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.